Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Just before we get the podcast started, I just want to ask one thing. This is social media just like anything else. The more you engage, the more you like, the more you share, the more you tell other people about it, the bigger this podcast gets. So if I provide you with any amount of value or entertainment, please consider doing one of those. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the Built Not Bought podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and uh, I apologize. I've been absent. Uh, I think our last episode was October 1st with Jordan Turbofil of One Contracting. I, uh, I highly suggest you guys go listen to that. We talked about family. We talked about the, the flooring industry and our business, how, how, we, uh, how we go about running things. Awesome episode, but this one's going to be a solo one. Um, Obviously, I have a lot going on and a lot to update you guys on. What I'd really like to talk about is, you know, my roots and where I came from and how I got to the point I'm at today, the point of uh, ultimate happiness and marginal success, I guess. <laughs> so basically, I'm a four-layer. That's that's the bottom line. That's where I came from. That's where I started. I've had a lot of different jobs throughout my life, um, but the backbone of what I've done has always been in the flooring industry. Why is that? Well, my family is so heavily absorbed in the flooring industry, and it really, the way I trace it back anyway, goes back to my, my dad's uncle, Bernie. Uh, he was in his 70s when he retired, and he was installing carpet right up until the day he retired. This guy was a old union installer on the in the lower mainland of BC, and the guy knew his stuff. He was a true old school installer in that. Nowadays, you have a lot of specializing, a lot of people who will do hardwood, laminate, vinyl plank. Then you got your tile guys. Then you got your commercial guys. Um, hard to find good sheet, good guys, you know, people who come do residential carpet, linoleum, that kind of thing. But back then, in order to call yourself a flooring installer, you had to know how to do it all. And uh, luckily, my dad was able to get an education from my Uncle Bernie and uh, absorb all of his knowledge, which of course, now my dad has taken and trained several family members, a lot of young guys to build a life in this trade that we have. You know, my dad's been doing it for, I believe, almost 40 years now. Um, a, a genuine master of the craft. And again, one of those guys who can install anything um, and, and, and has the knowledge, not only the technical knowledge, but there's... Uh, there's a lot of unforeseens and a lot of stuff you have to deal with, especially with renovations that most people, you know, you never know what you're going to run into. And those years of experience, you learn to roll with the punches and you, and you deal with situations really efficiently. So any, any, any veteran in any industry is going to have uh, all those tricks of the trade that are so valuable to pass down. So he's got three employees, three young guys, um, two of them is, have been with them for about eight years and awesome guys, hard workers, and they're so fortunate that they're getting an education in the trade from someone who has that old school knowledge, um, along with 
the understanding of all the new products and techniques. Um, the, a weird thing about the flooring industry is because, you know, it's not like plumbing or electrical where, you know, it's not, it's not regulated. Let's say there is a red seal program in British Columbia, a trade program that you can go and be, become a journeyman red seal flooring installer. The problem is with that, uh, from, from what I've seen, the scope of the education base is fairly narrow. There, there's just so much out there to learn. And I really feel like hands-on is the best way to do it. And the other thing is there's not a lot of motivation to go and get it when you can just go out and start working right away and start making money, um, and start training on the job. Now, of course, there's a, there's a dark side to that. I see a lot of young guys out there charging money for work. You know, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know. And uh, being trained properly by someone who's been in the industry is, is so very important. It's, some, it's something that I think has caused our industry to suffer uh, because of actually. Um, so it'd be nice to see that Red Seal program amped up, maybe promoted a bit more and accessibility is the other thing because here on Vancouver Island, there's nothing available. You have to go over and move to the lower mainland, which is very unrealistic for a lot of people. Um, rent is, if you can find, if you can find a place to rent, it's probably out of your price range, especially as a student. So yeah, accessibility is going to be a huge thing. So the long and short of that is, like I say, I have uh, uh, I've been very fortunate to have skilled tradesmen like my uncle, my uncles, and my dad to train me over the years. Beyond that, I've got my uncle Ray, who has been he's a he's a journeyman glazier, but got into the flooring industry probably by osmosis, just hanging around us enough. Um, but he's one of those guys, one of the hardest working people I know. Honestly, if you give him a minimum wage job, he's going to work. He's going he's gonna to put the time and effort in as if he owned the company. He's that kind of guy. There's, uh, there's no excuses for not working hard. The guy is extremely personable. And every business he's worked for, he's been the most valuable employee, salesperson, professional, um, just a truly exceptional guy to have on your team. And then, uh, my uncle Roger, who has been in the industry on the supply end of things for years, he started when he was young, um, like me as well, but he was in the sales end of things. He worked with various companies throughout the year and then ended up, uh, becoming partner of a large supply company that covers the West coast of, uh, or the Western part of Canada. Um, they grew that company. They were able to have an exit, um, selling to a, a larger company from the East coast. And, you know, you think once you do something like that, you'd ride off into the sunset. But the cool thing about this industry is it's fun. There's a lot of great people in a really awesome community of whether it be reps, store owners, installers, just a lot of good people who work hard and uh, 
so he came back into the industry. He's uh, been in def- different sales roles for different companies, but you know, you got to do something. And uh, he built a really good name for himself and every company he's worked for has been, uh, yeah, I'm sure very happy to have him. So that's, that's just, that's just literally skimming the top of, of, of my family in the industry. I have cousins, other uncles, we're all either installers, store owners, salespeople. We live and breathe this. And, uh, like I say, why not when we've all been able to provide such awesome lifestyles for our family and, uh, yeah, enjoy, get to enjoy what we do. So now I'll get to how I got into this industry. So when I was in middle school, that's when I really started lagging behind in, in, uh, in school and to the point where my parents said, here's the deal. You keep on messing up. You're going to just start going to work with your dad because, uh, (laughs) we can't let you follow behind here and not, send you out into the world with no skill set. So I started going to work with my dad and uh, my job initially, we were doing a lot of carpet and the underlay for the carpet comes in these large plastic bags. And what I'd do is I'd split them down the middle and follow behind my dad while he was cutting carpet, cutting pad. And I'd just be chucking all of the remnants in there getting all the offcuts, keeping everything clean, vacuuming, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You do that for long enough, you get restless and you want to start trying to install, do this, that. But my dad was pretty good at, you know, pacing me in my education and, and making sure I wasn't rushing into anything that I wasn't capable of. So I spent a lot of time just watching and... I think it was then that I realized this is how I learn. I'm not the kind of person who can sit down and, and, you know, read a book and retain everything in it and then go apply it. I need to watch. I need to have that. I need to get hands on and have that tangible experience. So eventually down the road, when he started letting me do some installation, you know, I started installing some laminate here or there undercutting doors, doing all this stuff. And I remember him coming up to me and going, how, how do you know how to do that? I think I was undercutting a door or something like that. I said, well, you know, I've been paying attention. <laughs> I haven't just, I haven't just been, you know, off in my own world. I, I watch you. And, uh, you know, like I say, that's how I learn, which is, I think a big reason why I like being so active on Instagram. Um, Especially in my trade, you know, obviously I follow a lot of flooring installers, a lot of tile setters, and I watch these guys and, you know, there's an aspect where you look at them and you go, oh, these guys are advertising for their business, which I agree. That's part of it. But the other thing I know, because I talk to these guys is they're holding themselves accountable. They're putting their work out from start to finish, showing you how it should be done properly so that you can shop understanding the methods and the right products. 
there's just so much that is being shared on these platforms. You know, it's all not all negative, believe it or not. So I really appreciate it when guys go and do that. And there are some exceptional examples of tradespeople on there. Um, it's a really fun community to be a part of and, uh, and just watch guys grow, whether it be a young guy just starting out. And, and, and some of the video editing skills that these guys have are, are just unbelievable. I, I'm just learning and, you know, pick it up as I go. But uh, yeah, it's really fun to watch. I went through my young stage of, you know, the, my, my apprenticeship, I guess, of learning this trade and how to operate. And uh, eventually I got to the point where I needed to go out on my own. Um, and when that time came, I kind of just went with the status quo of how things worked. So in our trade, it is very common for people to subcontract through stores for me to go to a store offer my services they'll call me when they have a job that they think is suited to me they'll give me a work order and i'll go do it now that can be an efficient way of doing it and it's something that i'm going to offer um, when my store opens up here however there is a problem with a lack of communication and a problem of accountability when that system isn't operating correctly. Um, when I started installing, my biggest frustration was, and if you can imagine this, sometimes when I would go and do an install, this client, whatever client would, you know, say, I remember one in particular, $30,000 worth of hardwood plus my labor. I think I was 18 or 19 years old showing up to do the install. The first time I met this guy was the day I showed up on his doorstep. At that point, I thought that was normal. And when I showed up, because, you know, I, I was a young looking 19 year old, he looked at me and he went, where's your boss? And I said, I'm it. And he called down to the shop and the shop reassured him that I was, you know, the right man for the job. I went and did the job and everything went well. And at the end, he, he came up to me and shook my hand and apologized. And I said, there is no apology needed. I completely, you know, I've got a good idea of how you might have felt uh, when I walked through the door, but I took that as a lesson. Um, and I did, I, I won't say I acted on it right away, but I, it was something that I noticed. Um, there was a discomfort with the client and that shouldn't be the case. Um, that was an unnecessary discomfort that could have been avoided with some basic communication. So years go by, I'm installing, uh, you know, got a little frustrated with the industry after a while, tried a few different things, came back and over and over again, I kept on banging my head against the wall, getting frustrated, you know, products, not here, things aren't ready. If you can imagine. It's not uncommon for an installer to show up, you know, the, the shop will book you and you go, okay, I'll be working. You know, you're trying to make your schedule for the month and you go this time I'm here, I'm here, I'm here and trying to make everything line up so that you can be efficient and you can make money because with this trade, it's piecework. You are not 
um, getting paid unless you are installing or prepping. Uh, so you are motivated to get to the job site. At one point, I had uh, four employees working with me. We were doing a ton of new construction. And obviously, when you have that many guys, you got to make sure things are ready. But it wouldn't be uncommon for us to show up to a job site and it's not ready for us. Or the product's not there. Or we get shorted product. And we're talking days delay where I got to keep my guys employed. I got to pay them. They need to earn a wage and I need to earn a wage. But there's no recourse. Um, You know, it would be nice to be able to throw something in the contract to... um, you know, to get paid for days inactive, but it's not realistic, unfortunately, because there is someone who will come in and and do it for a lower dollar. So I realized I had a serious problem. I owned my own business. I ran my own business, but I wasn't in control of my own business. So I decided to, once again, take a break, move away from installs, So this time I tried sales. I went and worked for a shop and, uh, you know, because I had a good understanding of the back end of the business, you know, dealing with contractors, understanding their expectations, all that kind of thing. And then I had a solid knowledge on the technical end and and the product end. I thought this is, this could be where, you know, I, I could do well. So that was a short lived experiment in that. As much as, you know, there were frustrations and problems with installs, I never had anyone angry at me. I never got any rude emails or people flying off the handle. That was the case when I was in sales. And here's why. Probably the most frustrating way to get yelled at is when you have no control over the situation and you're not being backed. So... I don't know how many times I would book a job, get everything lined up, whether it be an issue with installation because there's a lack of qualified installers, um, this, that, or the other thing. I would always do my best, do everything in me, whether whether it mean literally to the point of going and doing the install myself after work and on weekends because people aren't showing up because that's my name on the job, because I promised the client that this job would be done so that their family can come on Easter weekend and get, you know, have, have a nice family weekend. But when I voice these concerns to the business owner, it falls on deaf ears. You know, they want, the client would like some accountability. I'm not in a position to make certain judgment calls and I'm not getting backed up. So I don't mind failing. I don't mind, you know, making mistakes. But on my terms. So I quickly realized that it is not in my best interest to keep on doing this because I am ruining my name that I have built up in this town for someone else who frankly doesn't seem to give a shit. So I left. Back to installs I went. But this time I did it different. I had this epiphany that I probably should have had a long time ago. I said, I looked at all the other trades. I looked at the electricians and I said, 
Do the electricians go to the wholesaler and pick up a work order and go and do a job? No. Do the plumbers go to the wholesaler and pick up a work order and, you know, wait for the phone call at home to go to work? No. They go and find their own work. Why am I not doing that? Why have I been following this status quo operation that doesn't seem to work very well? So I started going client direct, um, whether it be with the, the uh, 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 homeowner hiring me, me direct or a builder. But it was a beautiful situation in that I could charge more money for my services because I'm not paying the percentage to the shop for them to quote unquote manage the job, even though it wasn't being done properly. I could meet the client from day one. I could help them shop the product. I could help them understand why this product and not this product. I could communicate timelines, all of these different things. And by the time I stepped through the door, they had peace of mind that they hired the right guy. With that strategy, you know, just that simple change and me taking a little more accountability on my end, that put me in a position where for the first time in my life, I was installing and I was booking months ahead of time. Never, ever have I had that. Never had I had that security. I'm booking months ahead and there's very few headaches. They'd been mitigated through communication. And then I get the bonus of, I don't have to advertise anymore because the word of mouth is so powerful that I'm just getting phone calls. Someone said, oh, says you did their bathroom. We love the work. When can you do it? Like literally, when can you do it? Not how much are you, um, people trying to get prices over the phone. When can you start? And every time I get a phone call like that and I go and, you know, meet the client, quote the job, book it, I'd come home and I'd say to my wife, I got another one. And what a weight that is lifted. When you're the sole income for a family and you have that peace of mind and reassurance that you're doing something right. And my wife would go, why are you so surprised? Like, <laughs> I said, I don't know. I it just, every time I get that phone call, it's I I take I take it as one of the best compliments you can give me. It validates the work that I've done before and makes me proud of that and makes me excited to keep on doing the work in the future. The biggest thing with word of mouth is when you have a client that has gone and told someone about what you do and how you do it and they've seen the project, so much of that sales end of it you know, you don't have to sell yourself this hard when you go to their house because most of their questions have been, you've been pre-qualified by the person before you. They understand, they got a good idea that you are, you communicate well, you're on time, you charge a fair rate and your work is done properly. Communication for me is huge. Nowadays, with, with the accessibility, accessibility to communication, I can't stand it when 
you know, I just ha- had it happen this week. Trying to get a hold of contractors to get the shop ready and people just aren't returning the call. I didn't even need an answer. I just needed to, you know, I needed to know, I did need an answer. I needed to know that we were still on schedule and we're moving forward. And if we're not, okay, that's fine. But this is going to allow me time to make other arrangements. But then these people don't pick up their phone and won't return your calls. And then two weeks later, here we are. (laughs) Two contractors down and a deadline. So communication is huge for me. And I hope the people, uh, the people who are listening that aren't, that aren't contractors, I hope you, (laughs) you realize that it doesn't just happen to you guys. It happens to uh, us contractors as well. Okay. But enough ranting (laughs) about my personal issues. Um, So with, with all of these lessons that I've learned over the years and, and, you know, just, just from experience, just from being there, you know, the exciting part of building a business is implementing different things and watching, watching your plan come to fruition, watching the little things that you implement show a positive benefit to you and the client. Um, you know, a bad habit that I had, and I think most contractors go through this at some point is you get so busy. You have so many things going on. You're a million places at once and not one thing that needs to get done is being accomplished. So understanding how to pace yourself, qualifying clients yourself before you do the job. You don't need every job. Not every not every client is going to be well-suited to your business. Some people have, you know, demands that frankly don't match their pocketbook. I always say this, I love the industry I'm in, I love what I do, but if I didn't have to do this, if I was financially secure for the rest of my life, I could think of a few other things that I'd like to try. And I think it's the case for most people. We do this for money and, uh, you know, unrealistic expectations need to be managed immediately because otherwise your time is being wasted and their time is being wasted. One simple thing I do is when I'm really busy, I have a habit. I haven't had my phone, the ringer on my phone on for probably five years now because when it's a a client calling or a a new number that I don't recognize that isn't an existing client, I let it ring. And then they listen to the voicemail that states that I'm booking three months ahead. Right there, you have a bunch of people who are going to realize that they're they're not going to be working with you. It doesn't work. They need the job done in two weeks. And, you know, I'm not that guy. I have clients that have been waiting for months at a time. When I finally get to them, they are my focus. They've been patiently waiting. It would be disrespectful for me to jump over here and go to start taking care of someone who didn't plan properly or, you know, there's a, 
not just that. There's a million different reasons why. But you're pre-qualifying your clients. So after all this, after all this education that I've got in the installation field, I'm excited to go and, and build a shop and do it my way. Because I see all these little things that, you know, <laughs> it's all theory right now. Until I actually go and do it, who knows whether I'm right or wrong. But because it's my name on the store, I get to do it my way. You know, years ago, I had an investor. We were looking at purchasing one of the stores in town. And in hindsight, I'm really glad it didn't happen because first off, it wasn't the kind of business I want to run. Um, big building, a lot of overhead, a lot of inventory. And logistically, it doesn't make sense to do that kind of work at this end. Our, our town is, you know, a town of 40,000. There's booms and busts. And when you have that overhead in the bad time, it can, it can really hurt. Um, so, and beyond that, I wasn't mentally, I hadn't been through the later stages of my install career. And I learned so much in the last five years that, you know, I never would have otherwise. So I'm, I'm grateful for something that didn't end up happening, even though it was a little disappointing when, when that, when it fell through. So now with this shop, I want to focus heavily on the people who are doing the work. I want the contractors to be taken care of. I want the installers to be taken care of. So our front end is the showroom and equally as important are those people who come through the front door and they need service, they need installs, they need product, and they need to be educated or they need to be pointed in the right direction. If they already, you know, have done some research themselves, that's very important. But these guys in the back end who are waiting till nine, 10 o'clock in the morning to get to work because the shop didn't prepare their materials the night before, that to me is unacceptable. You rely on those guys. Those are the guys who are going around and when they're in someone's home, they go, hey, where should we buy our material? They're going to go, go here. This guy makes my life easy. So that, that's my goal. I have a, I'm going to have, I can't wait to show you guys, you know, like I say, I'll be uh, updating all this stuff on Instagram as it comes to fruition, but I've got a contractor sale desk in the back. Um, just the way everything's laid out. I, I couldn't have imagined that this would be my first store and things would be so well set up. I uh, just, everything came together. Um, I've had a lot of people asking me in the last month, are you stressed out? Are you like, how are things going? It's just like, yeah, there's, there's an amount of stress, of course, but everything feels right. Everything feels like, you know, I've, I've played this over in my head so many times for so many years and considered it for so long. I, I'd been planning and I didn't really know it. It was kind of like, you know, early on, <laughs> this is a, this is early on when I was, uh, away from installs, I worked at Home Depot in the flooring department and I was young and people would come in and ask me for advice. And initially I could tell they were tentative, but once I started telling them all about the different products and what they need and how to prep, they'd be like, how do you know all this stuff? And even myself, I was like, oh, 
didn't realize I knew this much about flooring, but I guess I've been around it my entire life. You know, my, my, I always say the smells of my childhood were cigarettes for, for better, for better or worse, were cigarettes, the smell of sheet lino, linoleum and Bondo because me and my dad would be in the shop and I'd watch him do body work on the old hot rods. But like, this is what I grew up with. So I guess in the same way, I was getting an education in my early years, just listening, watching that translated into that sales job at the Home Depot. And now this education of running a business and building on top of those skills that are already had, that's what the store's turning into. It's, it's a bunch of little tiny, you know, I, I built that foundation up and, uh, you know, I don't think this is the peak. I don't think this is the pinnacle, but I think I'm, uh, this is definitely a big thing. This is not, not something to be understated. It costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of people and a lot of support to make something like this happen. The big, the biggest, the most overwhelming thing of the last two months has been how many people have reached out, whether it be on social media or walking through the hardware store, people ex truly excited for me, excited for my family. You know, no doubt, you know, we're sending everybody your way. We got no doubt you're going to be successful. I'm like, man, I'm glad you guys are so confident because, you know, uh, I hope you're right. And I'm going to do everything I, I can, everything in my power to, you know, prove them right, prove myself right, that all these things I've been thinking about were the right ways. This was the right way to go about it. Another aspect of what I'm going to be dealing with is uh, being a boss. It's uh, something that uh, I didn't have employees for very long. Again, it, it was just the new construction pace and the way things were going didn't really make sense for me at the time. I think I lacked some some managerial skills that I have now. Um, but now I'm going to be hiring employees and I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting the people that I'm going to be spending day after day with. Um, I'm looking forward to providing a workspace that people are excited to come to, um, an environment where, you know, people want to be, and they don't have to wake up on Monday dreading the next day. I mean, something I think about often is for years I've, I've watched, I've, I've watched all the different positions in a flooring store and there's always the warehouse guy. And that is, if not the hardest jobs, one of the hardest jobs there is. And these guys, they don't get a lot of praise. We're talking, they come in, fire up the delivery truck, and they're doing deliveries all day. Pallets and pallets of hardwood and laminate and tile. Packing it into someone's home, respecting the pro product itself, respecting the fact that they're in someone's home while being trying to be quick about it, be efficient. It's an exhausting job. Not only that, making sure the inventory is all organized, making sure things are accessible, like I say, so that those contractors, the installers, they can get in, get out, 
and we're not having to move eight different things so that and causing someone to wait an hour for their product. The respect has to be shown all the way through the ranks. That means providing a good wage and making sure your understanding of what people's capabilities are. If you push people to their limit, they are not going to perform anywhere near their limit. You have to have an understanding. You have to be able to communicate and delegate in a way that you're not talking at people. You're communicating with them like they're human. And I've unfortunately, unfortunately seen it the other way for a lot of years. Um, that's why I've seen a lot of turnover in that position. Um, again, these are all theories of mine. Um, applying these in, in real life, I, I might learn a lesson or two and, uh, I will adapt as that goes, but, you know, I know in my experience with all the different bosses I've had, the different teachers I've had, I know how I react to positivity and encouragement, and I know how I react to um, demands and unrealistic deadlines, let's put it that way. Um, I want to share a story about someone who I really admire, not only as a business owner, but as a boss. It was one of the best employee situations I was ever in. So when I was 21, my wife and I, we had our first daughter and I was working again at that job at Home Depot in Victoria doing sales. My plan at that point was to make enough money to pay my rent and party on the weekends. That's all I was thinking. My friends were in school. I was just happy to be in Victoria having fun. Along comes our daughter and I realized real quick that we're going to have to figure some things out. So as much as I enjoyed the job at Home Depot, it was it's the busiest Home Depot in Western Canada. Um, and, you know, I was in the flooring department. I was being paid well because I was knowledgeable. And the days flew by, honestly. But I needed to go home. We needed to come home to Campbell River so that we could uh, have family to help us go through this and, uh, and you know, have some support. So I got transferred up to the Home Depot in Campbell River, which was a very different experience because at that time, they had just opened up. Um, it was a very corporate environment. Everything was done by the book to the point that I remember, I remember I was there. It was the, the year that the winter Olympics were in Vancouver and team Canada was playing for the gold medal, the game where Sidney Crosby scored that goal. And we weren't even allowed to listen to it on the radio. The store was empty. No one was there because everybody was watching that game. But we were not allowed to, to listen to it on the radio. So needless to say, it was a frustrating position to be in. There was uh, not a lot of support. A lot of people kind of frustrated in the work environment. So one day I'm walking the aisles and uh, down the aisle comes Tony. 
Tony was the father of one of my best friends in high school, is the father, pardon me. <laughs> he, uh, his son and I were good friends. We played uh, in a band together. Tony comes up to me and he goes, hey, Mackenzie, I didn't know you were back in town. How are you doing? And, you know, I said, oh, good, just working here, you know, got a baby on the way, this, that, and the other thing. And he goes, whoa, so lots. And I said, yeah, I got a lot going on. We talked a bit longer and Tony says, hey, Mackenzie, do you like working here? And I said, I got to do what I got to do, Tony. <laughs> That's the only way I could answer that. I wasn't sure if anyone was listening. I was trying to be diplomatic about it. Tony said, would you be interested in uh, working in a granite fabrication shop? And as quickly as I, <laughs> as I could get it out, I wanted to make it sound like I was all about granite countertops and super passionate. And that's exactly what I wanted to do because I wanted this guy to hire me right now. I said, of course. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. And Tony said, okay, well, let's, let's work this out. Um, you know, give me a call later and we'll figure something out. So I gave Tony a call after my shift. We figured out a wage. Uh, I gave my two weeks notice. And when I got to his shop, I busted my butt because I wanted to make sure this guy knew that he, I didn't want him to think for a second he might have made the wrong decision. He was building his own business. He had just moved into a new space. He had just built everything, you know, from the ground up over five or so years. And he was moving into this brand new space. And I was excited. There's, this is something to be part of. I quickly sh proved my worth and my value. And as, as hard as I worked, you know, Tony always made sure that there was a new challenge waiting for me. He put me in positions that maybe I shouldn't have been in, but he was always there to back me up. Um, he gave me the confidence that I can mess up, but it can be fixed, but they're going to trust me with trying something new. So I got to do that for a long time and working there was a genuine pleasure. Uh, the people I worked with were great, but the thing I loved about Tony was I walked into his office one day and uh, he was talking to a client and the client had just got a, a, a quote from a shop that had just opened up down the street and they were cheaper than us, but they didn't have the tools that we do, did. They didn't provide the quality we did and we knew where they were cutting corners. And that's what Tony told the client flat out when they asked if we could match the quote. He said, these are two different things. It's the same product, but we provide a different service. And as much as we would love for you to be our client, this just isn't going to work out. This is our rate. We'd love to do your job if you give us that opportunity and we can promise you won't be disappointed. And I always admired that. He had quality standards that he maintained. He demanded a certain price. And I always thought that that was just because, you know, you're in a business and you want to you wanna make good money. But more than that, Tony said to me, the thing I'm most proud of running this business is that 
is the fact that I get to help families support themselves. He gets to help me find my way in a, needless to say, I felt like my, my world was turned upside down. New parent, new job, a lot of unexpected things happening. And he was unbelievably supportive. Right up until and after the day that I quit, I called him and I said, Tony, he paid me well, but it wasn't enough. And I knew what my ambitions and aspirations were. And he said, Mackenzie, I completely understand. I very much appreciate the time you put in, the effort you put in. And, you know, if I could have, <laughs> I remember I remember him saying to my parents one day, if I could clone that kid, if I could have, you know, 10, 20 of him, my my job would be, you know, a breeze. And that was a, a huge compliment. So I got this experience from this guy and every job, every every experience that I'd ha I've had in my work life has given me these different perspectives, whether it be fabrication school. I had this amazing fabrication teacher and he he showed me a whole bunch of other skills that I had unique skills that I didn't realize I had. And he, he pointed them out to me, um, you know, how my creativity really helped with my work, my ability to look at things a slightly different way than most people when I'm attacking a job. You know, I had another boss. My job was literally scaling barges, chipping rust off barges. But I loved the job because I just liked going and working with the people. My boss, Stu, just an unbelievable guy. He knew I was a hard worker, just word of mouth, hired me on the spot. I decided I wanted to go to fabrication school, gave me an extra $1,500 on my paycheck to help towards that. Wasn't asked. I thought it was a mistake. I called him. He said, nope. He said, go work hard, go get a trade, you know, and, and people like that, you got to recognize them. They are invaluable. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to say that I've had many of them in my life. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot more than that. I, I'll tell you. So with all those experiences, all the way across the spectrum, I feel like this new next challenge is just the right challenge. It's the right place for me to be. I want to thank all of you guys so much for tuning into this. It's I've had, had quite a few people reach out recently. Um, people I've never met, some old friends voicing, you know, that they've been listening to the podcast, keep on going on. Guys, I never know if anyone's listening to this. Sometimes it feels like I could just be sitting here for an hour by myself, talking in my bedroom, and, uh, you know, it just going out into the ether and falling on deaf ears. So I very much appreciate it when you guys do reach out, when you share the podcast, if you find any value in this, if you find it entertaining, if you think I'm nuts, whatever it be. Um, I just appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I, I will be 
doing more of these solo podcasts because I am so busy. It's a lot easier to find time when it's just me. I do have a couple people in queue that I'd really like to get on. But, uh, you know, the next few weeks is going to be very busy down at the shop. If you want to follow along, you can follow on Instagram. I'm going to be a lot more active there. I've been delegating the last little while and, and uh, you know, wrapping up some installs. So now I'll be in there actually getting my hands dirty, which is my favorite part, even if I have to do drywall. Anyway, thanks again, guys. Have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas and go build something.